Hello everybody, it's me, it's Diane. Welcome back to the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. I am your host, Diane Bondi, and uh, I've been doing these little mini podcasts. I call them Intentional Wellbeing Rants. So in case you're new here, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, like, share, comment, all the things that are required. If you could go to Apple and uh, give us a like, give us a comment, give us a share, give us a rating, whatever it is, this would really help me out. And today is the day after the mass shooting in Texas of 19 elementary students who are now since passed away. And it seems to me less than two weeks ago, I was talking about a mass shooting in Buffalo at a grocery store. What's up, Americans? Why is this your national battle cry is to have the right to bear arms when these arms end up in the wrong hands and innocent people get shot for no good reason? So how many Sandy Hooks? How many Columbines? How many more mass shootings do you have to have before you actually do something and stop with the bullshit rhetoric that this is a mental health issue? It is not. That is a ploy that the NRA and gun pro folks use as an excuse to keep guns on the streets and in the hands of 18-year-old angry men who seems to be the primary people out there shooting folks en masse. What is it that you hire your elected politicians to do? Exactly. Because as I sit here in Canada and look over at the United States, I see the erosion of rights. I see people running around killing people out of hate and spite and anger. And God only knows, because we haven't gotten all the full details about what happened in Texas at this elementary school. We haven't gotten all the details, so we don't know why our 18-year-old shooter, which seems to also be a common theme, why does an 18-year-old who can't drink have access to buy a gun and an automatic gun at that? Why would you need an automatic rifle unless you want to mow down a lot of people all at once? Why? Why is this necessary? Why do we keep having these conversations over and over again? Why are you the only country in the world that has a mass shooting every week? Just you. This doesn't happen in other countries in the world that have gun control. Why is it 90% of Americans favor gun control, but you can't get any gun control laws passed? Why is that? Politics, folks. You have to get political in order for things to change. You have to go out and vote in order for things to change. People who have extremist views and want to keep the status quo and want to run your life will get out there and vote. En masse. Stop saying you don't like any of the candidates. Stop saying voting doesn't work. Stop saying this is a democracy for not much longer if people don't get out there and vote. It's going to become an aristocracy and you're going to have the former dictator in chief running the show and his cronies. Is this what you want for yourself? Do you want to wake up to a mass murder every week? This doesn't happen in other countries. I mean, we've had mass gun violence here, but not every week. We probably can count on one hand the amount of times this happened here in Canada, at most two hands. Apparently you've had something over a hundred mass shootings this year, and we're in May. We're not even halfway through the year. And again, I don't wanna hear about the uh, mental health stuff. It doesn't hold water. That's just an excuse. 
Okay. That's a bait and switch. And as for your thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers are fine, but we need action. You need to be calling your representatives and demanding change and holding them accountable. Get political. I don't want to hear, I don't like politics. You have to like politics or you could be the next victim that gets shot at a movie theater. Okay, that's my rant for today. I felt I had to address that because I'm very upset. The world is very heavy right now. I actually just got off of an Instagram live with a friend of mine, Jay Sal, and we were talking about uh, fashion, among other things, because the world is so heavy right now. And I just needed a little bit of fun and flair and a little bit of something, you know, that makes me happy and makes me inspired to get up in the morning to wear something nice and to feel pretty and to feed my soul so that I can go out there into the world and do the hard work that needs to be done. I don't want to be known as just one thing in my career. Oh, she's an activist. Oh, she's a yoga teacher. Oh, she's a plus size black yoga teacher, right? Those are my identities and those are my intersections. I want to be known as more than that, right? Perhaps a thought leader, a social commentator. I figure if Joe Rogan can be a thought leader, as scary as that is, why not me? Like and follow, subscribe to the pod. Today, the question on my mind is, I'm going to take it back to yoga. Are yoga teacher trainings a luxury item? Should everybody have access to the 200 and 300, 500 hour teacher trainings, or should that be reserved for folks with money? I asked this question because there was a post rolling around on Instagram this week that was posted by a yoga studio in my community who uh, the owner of the studio um, shared their opinion on yoga teacher trainings. Apparently lots of people were asking her, I doubt it. But anyway, she, they shared their opinion on Instagram. And they felt that the best way to take a teacher training is to do a month-long intensive in a tropical destination because you get to travel and you get to be immersed in the yoga teacher training. To me, that seemed a little bit elitist for those of us who can't just take a whole month off of work, um, take our salary and fly to, I don't know, Costa Rica or Bali or wherever you're going to do your month-long intensive, leave your family, friends, and job behind and take a month-long intensive in yoga. Who has the means to do that? Especially in the world that we're living in now, where COVID is still everywhere, people are still dying from that, even though we choose to move on from the pandemic, that's still happening. People can't afford to feed themselves because gas prices are through the roof. And those of us who do have disposable income too, which is sort of required nowadays for teacher trainings because they are so expensive, um, to pack up, leave the country and go on a teacher training. So that was their first and best way to go to teacher training. I'm guessing it was the way they learned. The second way was to find a local teacher and commit to a six month or year long teacher training and, you know, uh, research the teacher, get to know them. As a person who's run teacher trainings for, oh, I don't know, 12 years, uh, I like the in-person teacher training model. I think it's a good one. Again, you have to be able to set aside one weekend per month or one Sunday per week or whatever it is, however the setup is, and commit to that time as a 
for training. And for some people, that's very doable. And for others with families, that may not be. And others who work shift work, that might not be an option, right? And then finally, their least favorite teacher training was online. So just over the pandemic, Yoga Alliance has allowed for 200 and 300 teacher trainings online. And I used to be of the school of thought that that wasn't the best way to learn because there's a loss of energy exchange and, you know, it's good to be in other people's space and we need to be looking at each other and talking to each other. All of those things can happen online. And as a person during the pandemic who took three certifications online, online is a great option in terms of money because often online um, teacher training can be a little bit less expensive. It's also if they are self-led, right, or self-paced, I should say, you can do it in your own time and in your own way. So if some of it's pre-recorded and some of it is live, you can take your time and work through it. We can also have options for um, closed captioning. We can also have options for if people are all over the world, not just here in the city that you live in, but they're all over the world and they want to train with you. They have an opportunity to train with you without having to take time off work, to fly to another country, you know, to put themselves up in an Airbnb or whatever, to have that outlay of cost. And if they can't make that live class in the moment, there's the recorded makeup version of that class. So I think it has a lot of pluses. And I'm really now a fan of online teacher trainings. I especially because I teach quite a few of online teacher trainings, yoga for all with my partner in crime and in yoga, Amber, uh, Amber, Amber, Amber Carnes. I almost said Amber Heard. I've been watching a lot of that Johnny Depp. Amber Heard trial. I have some thoughts on that. Um, you know, you get to do a training with that. That's a 35 hour training. I now, I just ran a 300 hour training last year. I'm doing another one this year and I just have a 200 hour training. And what's really amazing is we have a little social group on WhatsApp and people are developing relationships with each other. I think a lot closer than the relationships that I saw in a live teacher training, quite frankly. I found people feel more comfortable to be themselves. People feel like they can reach out to the folks they need to reach out to. I think you're less intimidated. Um, we have more times to practice together because it's online. And actually the online model and the in-person model are my favorite. I have done a 30 day intensive yoga teacher training during the summer, the month of July, when I used to own a studio, and I thought for people who want to be in that immersive kind of um, experience, you could do it while being at home. So you could come to class. I think we met from like, I, I think it was um, 10 till six, we met and we did that for 30 days in a row. And then at the end of the 30 days, you still had some work to do. You still had to go up there and do your community service. And then you were all done. So you got to do all that in a short amount of time. And it's really helpful for people who like that kind of format. But what I liked about having it in the studio um, is that you could go home at the end of the day. And there wasn't this huge outlay to uh, fly across the world to take a, a to take a teacher training. But what really upset me about the energy around the statement is the elitism of the statement, sharing your opinion that the best way to take a yoga teacher training is to do a residential one and poo-pooing in-person ones from people who have been teaching yoga teacher trainings for decades and um, have had really great 
teachers come out of the teacher training and then online as their least favorite. Like that's, I don't know. But I don't really care about the opinion so much as I do about people's reaction to that opinion and the elitism that it presents in yoga teacher trainings. I'm hoping that as, you know, online and in-person training evolves, that we can create a space where it's easier for people to have access to teacher training based on cost and location. And I found that I had a lot more interest in teacher training online because people could tune in on their time zone or take the class after the fact, self-pace themselves if they had family things. They could work around their family obligations. And I also offered scholarships for folks. So it didn't matter um, what your income level was, what where you were in the world or what your abilities were. There was a place for you in the teacher training and we made it tiered so that there was uh, a built-in scholarship price already. And then the other two tiers were funding that scholarship price. I have uh, teachers who are going to be joining me for my next 200 hour that are in Prince Edward Island. And that just wouldn't be possible otherwise, right? That you could train with somebody who maybe has a specialty in diversity or a specialty in accessibility. But when I'm thinking with these 30 day all in teacher trainings, there's not a whole lot of time to develop um, the skills to teach bodies that are different than our own. And again, I think it's really an elitist attitude to have is to put out there the best teacher trainings or the one where you can go away to another country, have a different experience. If you're able to do that, great, go for it, good for you, but it doesn't make it accessible. And the idea is yoga teacher training and yoga in and of itself is not a luxury brand. I understand there are certain luxury brands that not all of us are uh, able to afford. And that's why it's called luxury. It's not a necessity. Do I think yoga teacher training is a necessity? I think it should be in order to teach yoga or some kind of self-study should be a necessity for us so that we're not walking around in our own privilege without giving any consideration to other folks that might need different forms of access to teaching. And that goes for school teaching as well. My kids didn't do super well when we were in lockdown at the height of the pandemic, uh, teaching online. And not everybody's great with um, online learning in that you have to be responsible for yourself. You have to watch the modules. You have to keep up. I really have to push myself for online trainings when I take them. I have to make it a priority to sit down and do the work. And that's a good challenge for me, which is why I like them. I think I'm held to more accountability when I do an in-person training, uh, but I, it has made me really think about how I want to spend my time. But that just is parts of the yoga space that I'm not a fan of is this kind of elitist um, attitude about who can take teacher training and who, who gets to consider what the best teacher training is. I was just frankly a little annoyed by the comment, but... Oh, well, to each their own. So that's just an opinion. And I've shared mine. I've also been starting to think about what do I want to do with my future? How do I see myself moving forward in the world? I was talking to JSOL today and we were talking about not being just one thing, right? And I talked about this earlier at the beginning of the podcast, not just being one thing, not just being the black fat yoga teacher or the yoga teacher who focuses on restorative justice or the yoga teacher who's an accessible teacher. I am all those things and more. I also want to be the person that allows people to find their thing. So if yoga is not your thing, maybe joyful, mindful movement is your thing as part of your well-being practice. 
you know, maybe taking care of your skin is your thing as your well-being practice, that it's not one thing. And quite frankly, the yoga industry and community has been really trying lately. I've had a really hard time connecting with it as of late because I've seen a lot of, A, like this really elitist attitude being pushed out front still, still, after all this time of talking about accessibility. I'm also deeply disturbed by how much QAnon and conspiracy theories have filtered into the uh, yoga and well-being space. I think that's absolutely terrifying for a lot of us who want to share the traditional teachings of yoga, who want to live by the eight limbs and making concessions for certain outlandish ideas, the whole non-masking, non-vaxxing um, rhetoric that was going on at the height of the pandemic steeped within yoga philosophy and culture and twisting that yoga and philosophy and culture to fit that narrative, which I think is really disturbing. It flies against that very first essential tenet of yoga is nonviolence, right? And uh, it also flies against what we consider self-study, right? We're not actually studying why it is we want to do the things we are, and we're not being in community with each other if we're buying into strange conspiracy theories as part of our spiritual practices. So all of those things make me less excited about being in the yoga space. I've been a professional yoga teacher working for myself for almost 20 years, and I've been very fortunate to come into the yoga space at a time where my voice was, I feel needed in talking about equity and diversity and accessibility and adaptability and all those things. I've been talking about this stuff since 2010 before being an activist was trendy and popular. I've never had the opportunity to jump on a trend like accessibility or diversity. It's been a part of my lived experience. So I've had no other choice but to speak up in those experiences. But now that everybody is now interested in this experience. It feels a little bit crowded and I kind of feel like almost my work here is done. It was my intention when I started working in the yoga industry is to make it more diverse, to make it look like all the folks in the world that I see and think can benefit from yoga class. I now see more teachers of color than ever before. I see teachers teaching in different languages, which I think is amazing. I see, you know, accessibility happening all over the place. There's a time and place on the interwebs and particularly on Instagram where you didn't see anybody that didn't look like a fitness model doing extremely impossible poses. Now my feed, and I must say I cultivated my Instagram feed, is of folks doing all kinds of different kinds of yoga. And so I think it's pretty amazing how far that we have come. And that was my intention. And I think I have played a big part in making that happen. I put my voice out there. I got angry and I wanted to do something about it. I wrote a couple books on it. And I think that's really amazing that yoga is taught differently. It's amazing to me if I go to a yoga studio and um, the teacher is like, oh my gosh, you know, they, they know me and I hear it in the language that they're using. At a time where I would have felt very uncomfortable, I'm now hearing people offering um, 
yoga students opportunities to explore their bodies in a way that feels comfortable for them. There are a lot of people out here doing accessibility and equity and diversity within yoga spaces. And so I'm happy to become more of a background player. I think I will always do my yoga for everyone work. I think I will always do my yoga for all teachings because I think they're important for as long as for people want to be able to participate that in that or need that resource from me. I'm happy to share it. It's been a big part of my life, but I think I'm ready to kind of change gears into intentional well-being, what that looks like for all of us, that it's not just about the physical practice, but from a, a page I'll take out of Anna, uh, Anna Harris Paris's book, um, strategic self-care, right? The world is really tough right now. Things are happening that have never happened before in the history of our existence. And if we don't stop, start paying attention, all could be lost. Democracy is slowly but surely being rolled back. And we're seeing things that are terrifying, we're back to banning books, which I thought was never going to happen. We're back to, you know, the rise of alt-right and hate for all kinds of groups. The pendulum has swung back the other way. And now it's our time more than ever to start figuring out how we want to show up in the world and doing the practices that are going to make us stronger to do the work. So I'm interested, I will always be interested in activism because I have no choice as a black woman, as a fat black woman, I have no choice. It means, you know, my well-being. I have to participate in politics because it means what my kids get taught in school, where grocery stores go in my community, uh, how my taxes are paid. And we're coming up on an election very shortly in less than a month. Actually, I think the election is next week. And it's really important for me that I elect somebody who's going to represent my needs. And it's a very strange idea to vote against your own best interests because best believe those people who are looking to strip you of your civil rights and liberties are voting in their own best interests. So why not you? And my own best interest is preserving education, is reforming um, policing, the federal, I'm not even going to call it justice system, punishment system, reforming that, getting more access and resources to folks who need it, reducing the cost of food, fighting back against rising ga uh, gas prices and inflation. These are the things that, that affect me that ultimately affect people who look like me and the people around me. And that's what I want to stand up for. And that's how I decide to use my yoga. It has, been, has to be more than creating postures that are equitable for all of us, which is a big part of what I do. But it's also about standing up and holding folks accountable for the things they do and say that impact the well-being of others. And it goes back to what I was talking about, elitism and yoga, who gets to practice, who gets to be recognized as a yoga teacher, the appropriation of a culture and not highlighting or platforming voices of South Asian descent and African descent that have their roots within this practice, not sharing our resources, right? There should be no need for billionaires. We should be sharing our resources. And that's what I'm voting for in the election sharing our resources, making things accessible to all of us, having an opportunity to vote for somebody that represents what I believe in and to hold them accountable. Because if you do not vote, 
you cannot hold them accountable. By voting out the folks who don't deserve to be there, who are not looking out for your best interests. I don't know what we have to do to make people vote, but we got to get out there. This is our only way of being really effective in our democracy is voting the folks out who aren't looking out for us. And that's happening here in Canada and around the world. We cannot let democracy slide. We cannot let elite voices <laughs> share their opinions and watch their opinions become fact or that their opinions are held up as what is right for all of us, right? So I think that's a really important distinction. I know I'm rambling here, but I wanted to ask, what are you doing to change the status quo to something that feels more equitable? Is yoga teacher training, taking yoga classes, teaching yoga, something that should be elite for those of us who have money? Because quite frankly, it's been that way for a long time. It's only been in the last decade or so had that we've really pushed for some equity in these spaces. So what do I say about what the best yoga teacher training is? The one that you can afford, the one with the teacher that you love, and the one that makes the most sense for you. And to me, that's the one that's most equitable, where we're not on a yoga holiday, that we're actually learning how to make the world a better place through self-study and equity and connection with others. So this has been my mini rant. <laughs> I'm at a loss right now, everyone. But I will say this, keep pushing forward, keep fighting, and don't throw up your hands and say, ah, nothing ever changes. Things do change if we participate. Figure out the ways that you want to show up in this world and then do it. Figure out the ways that your time and your energy can be best managed and also take care of yourself first because if you do not take care of yourself first, you will not be ready to do the hard work of fighting for democracy and fighting for the folks that have less privilege than we do and allowing ourselves to use our privilege to support those around us who do not or are not able to have access to the things that we have access to. And I'm asking this from the bottom of my heart. If you believe in gun reform and change, and if you want to stop seeing mass shootings in schools, in churches, in movie theaters, in grocery stores, at music festivals, everywhere. If you want to stop seeing that happening, then vote in the politicians who want sensible gun control. I'm going to repeat it again. Vote in the people who want common sense gun laws and to reform gun control. Nobody's taking your guns away from you. We have lots of guns here in Canada and we have very strict gun control laws so that we don't have these mass shootings happening in schools every other week. There has been less than two weeks between the mass shooting in Buffalo and the mass shooting in Texas where 19 children have died. Teachers shielding their students from bullets. Active shooter drills happening in schools because you don't want to do gun reform. How does that make any sense? 
nobody's limiting your freedom by not allowing you to buy in an automatic rifle and take out a whole group of people in a grocery store because you hate the color of their skin or for whatever reasons that you would go into an elementary school and shoot children and then blame it, blame it, try to use the excuse that it's mental illness. That's a game. So now is the time to remove the political leaders that don't care about you. If you care enough about yourself, your neighbors, your family, your grandchildren, your children, your, your cousins, your nieces, your nephews, then do the right thing and vote. People, vote. It is not a lost cause. It is not a lost cause. I think everybody is tired of the same old story where nothing happens. Thoughts and prayers are not obviously not working. Action is what we need in this time. And when you move through the world, whether you're a yoga teacher or a wellness professional, think about who you want to serve and how you want to move the needle forward as a yoga teacher. Because know this, you standing at the front of the room has a lot of influence on the students that you have around you. And your opinions matter. Whether you're speaking to 300 of your followers or 200,000 of your followers. It's important that we recognize that this is a practice that encompasses all of us. And that practice is about caring for somebody other than yourself or for people who don't necessarily look like you or have the same resources as you. You cannot walk around in your bubble and pretend like none of this affects you because it does. And if we're really wanting to practice yoga and well-being, then we have to look out for each other. Nonviolence is the answer. Speaking out, stepping up, providing assistance when needed, providing resources when needed, listening, being in community with others instead of centering yourself and your opinions all the time. So that's my well-being rant for Well-Being Wednesday. I think I'm going to have a rant every Wednesday as part of my podcast. I'm excited because coming up soon, oh, I think the book is upstairs next to my bed, of course. Um, I will be interviewing Fred T. Joseph's Patriarchy Blues. His book just came out. My copy just came in. I'm excited to be talking to him about how we move forward and how we destroy or shatter or break down the patriarchy so we all have access to what we need and we can start to decolonize our mindset. So that's coming up. I also have a podcast coming up with a friend of mine, Kara, and we're going to be talking about all things yoga, all things well-being, and a big project that Kara and I have coming up. So stay tuned for that. And I want to thank you for being part of the Intentional Well-Being Podcast and listening to my ongoing ramblings, my interviews. And I'd love it if you'd let me know if there's somebody you would like me to interview for the podcast or something you would like me to talk about on the pod. So until next time, everyone, please take care of yourself. And it's important that we take care of each other because our well-being has to be intentional and strategic. All right, everybody, until next time. Thank you.